everyone. Dave DeBow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from beautiful Windsor, Ontario, Scott Dillingham. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? I am fantastic. So I'm excited to talk with Scott because he's one of those rare individuals who is a mortgage broker and a real estate investor, and he focuses on working with weirdos like us, real estate entrepreneurs, we're doing multiple mortgages and and we're going to be talking today about you know how to really dial that in and actually buy unlimited properties so everybody likes that idea so scott why don't we start with you know what are some of the biggest issues that you're seeing real estate entrepreneurs having these days when it comes to getting financing for their deals yeah, David, that's a great question. So the biggest issue that I find is people, they're either being maxed out by one of two things. They're either being told they have too many properties, they can't move forward, or they're being told their debt ratios are too high, they can't move forward. So we've got solutions for both. So for the maximum properties, right? Yeah. Every lender has their own rules and criteria for what they'll support. And we've sort of made a map. Now, it's not a map that we share because it's, you know, nobody can do kind of what we could do, at least that I'm aware of. But what we do is we've mapped out the lenders, who does what, how many properties, and ultimately we've created the roadmap to get investors unlimited properties. So it doesn't matter if you have five, if you have 10, we helped a realtor in Toronto who had 95 and we helped him to keep growing. So it's quite easy for us. Now for the debt ratios, what we do is we'll partner up with the different lenders. So most banks and the starting lenders, they'll only use half of the rental income. Mm-hmm. So then we'll keep looking for alternative lenders that are still A lenders, great rates, but they'll use anywhere between 80 to hundred percent of the rental income. That so then that kind of gets, yeah. So that kind of gets the client past the debt ratio threshold. And if, if that still doesn't work, then we can look to the commercial end because we've got a commercial division as well. All right. Very cool. So Scott, I mean, I know you've got a lot of years in the trenches. If I'm not mistaken, you used to work exclusively for one of the big five banks in Canada. Since then you've become a, a mortgage broker. What's the difference for a real estate investor working with a mortgage broker versus working with his local friendly bank that he's been banking with? he or she's been banking with for the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the big difference, there's a couple of them. So the first difference is choice, right? Because your lender could say, okay, I've got you pre-approved up to 500,000. But if you're having a hard time finding a property at 500,000, then that person should call a broker who has access to multiple lenders, because then we can partner you, like I said, with a lender that'll do 80 to 100%. And now your pre-approval jacks up to maybe seven or 800,000 as opposed to five. Mm-hmm. So that's something that people don't realize, right? Their lender will say, this is what you can get. And they think that's it, but that's not always it. So that's one of the things, but also policy, right? The big banks are always changing the policy. The lender that I started at was on limited properties when I was first starting then they went down to 10 properties and then they went down to five. So that's when I had to leave. It just, it wasn't working for my clients, but that happened over a span of seven to eight years, those changes. So it happens at all lenders all the time. So if a lender changes their policy, when you're dealing with a broker, 
we're aware of those policy changes and then we'll just substitute or swap different lenders. That's all. So we're always getting the client the solution as opposed to shaking their hand and saying, see you later, we can't help you anymore. Right. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. So Scott, if I'm not mistaken, do you focus more on people who are, who are in the single family home space all the way up to duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, or do you go into commercial as well? Both. So me personally, I do up to eight units or less as residential because we've got a lender that'll do up to eight units. Okay. So that's what I focus on. And then anything above that, I was doing all the commercial deals myself, but then we've hired a full-time commercial rep. So we've got them all trained up. Plus he had different experience from like the business finance background. And he's been doing that stuff for years, like equipment leasing and stuff like that. So it was a great fit. So I trained him on what I knew. And then he took off and reached out to all these lenders and built up a huge pool of investors and what they use. So we do both, but me personally is eight units or less. All right. So Scott, I know you work a lot with real estate entrepreneurs. That's your main focus, if I'm not mistaken. It's not the you know, first time home buyer trying to get their first mortgage. It's more people like us that are looking to buy revenue properties. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see us making when it comes to trying to get financing? Yeah, I would say the biggest mistake that I see investors make is not analyzing all the expenses properly. They'll look at the cash flow, the mortgage, the taxes, and then they determine they're going to make $700 a month. But in reality, when you really look at the numbers, maybe it's only $200 a month that they'll make. So if they ran the numbers properly, would they have still bought that $200 a month cash flowing property or would they have tried to find something different? So that is the biggest mistake is not doing the proper due diligence on the numbers. And any suggestions on how people can can understand how to do that due diligence better or, or have a better tool for, for doing that? Yeah. So one quick tip that I have my clients do that's super easy because n- numbers don't lie is ask the previous owner for his T1 general, so his tax return, he can white out his social insurance number or whatever, but send us the numbers on that property and you can clearly see the expenses that are in that property and then you use them forward to run the numbers. So you're thinking they're not fudging their numbers so much when it comes to the the tax math? Probably. I mean, you could still, people still do, but when you leverage that strategy, it's going to be pretty accurate. Yeah, no, that's a very good, very good tip. Excellent. So, all right. So we've covered a little bit about what some of the bigger mistakes are. What about when it comes to your, your clients actually applying for financing? What are, you know, because my experience has been that over the years and over the decades, it's just become much more onerous. The amount of paperwork has gone from this to, to this, it seems for each deal that you want to be doing. What are some of the other mistakes people are making when they're trying to get this financed? I think some people, they try to leave out information because they don't want it to hurt them or sometimes it can help them. So for an example, say you're going to a bank that only does five properties. They might leave out their sixth property that they bought. And then when they switch to us, let's say, they'll still leave out that property. And we're like, no, 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 that will help you. That one has good income. Like we want to see that. So I think some people leave things out thinking it will hurt them. But in reality, the more information that we have, the better we can paint the picture. 
even getting creative, right? I've seen some clients that have chose super quick mortgage paydowns with very short amortizations on rental properties, hurting their cash flow and their future borrowing ability. So we'll suggest to them, hey, you know, you might want to extend your amortization over there, lower your payments and increase your cash flow. And if your lender won't allow you, maybe we can swap lenders to one that'll give you a brand new 30 year term to help optimize their portfolio and their financing capabilities. All right, that makes sense. Perfect. So Scott, any other tips for people when they're, let's look at it this way. Let's say it's somebody that's just getting their their first or their second rental property. They're thinking about getting another property under their belt. Any other tips or suggestions when it comes to getting financed properly? Yeah, I think to make it easier for someone, it is best to try to stay with your one broker or one lender as you grow, because what will happen is we can recycle documents. So like you said, right, there's a lot of documents, it's cumbersome to apply for a mortgage, but if you're with the same person and they can help you to grow, it's easier to update. Other than that, it's hard to say, every client is different and everybody's scenario is different. So we like to at least run their cash flow first before we, you know, give them a yes or no. But then from there, we can make recommendations on their portfolio and give them suggestions to make it easier. All right. So if somebody's kind of watching this, they're not they're getting started. They're not sure who they should be going with as a mortgage broker. I mean, obviously, you'll want them to go with you. But I mean, what, you know, you're in Windsor, Ontario. Let's say somebody's in, you know, Tuck the Liak Tuck, Northwest Territory, something like that. They they want to find their own local mortgage broker. How would you recommend they go about finding a good one from a real estate investor side of point of view? Yeah. So I would I would ask them if they're if they'd ask their broker if they're an investor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they say no, it's probably not a specialty of theirs. But the other thing is just to quickly ask them how many rental properties they can finance. My neighbor, and I don't want to say any names or anything, but he's a mortgage broker as well. And before I got into it, he told me the maximum that he can do is four. I was like, what? That's crazy. And I worked at the bank. So I didn't want to leave because I'm like, I don't want to go from five to four now. But really it came down to that's his pool of lenders. Every broker has their own pool of lenders that they work with. And you have to qualify for a lot of the different lenders. You have to commit to so much volume. And if you don't do that, they say sayonara, right? And you don't have access to them. So it just comes down to what type of business they get. And if they're qualified to work with those lenders that do rental properties. Yeah. Now I've known a number of mortgage brokers over the years, Scott, and, and, you know, that focus on working with real estate investors and, you know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the vast majority of mortgage brokers really focus on mom and pop home buyers, right? So yep. first time home buyers or just regular people buying a house every, you know, moving every whatever, five to yep. six years. And it's very, very few mortgage brokers that really are specialized with real estate investors because even though on the surface it seems to make a lot more sense, it's, it's actually, it can be a lot more work in certain ways for you. So in some ways, just a regular home buyer is, is easier to deal with than, than a real estate investor. So it's finding that mortgage broker that ideally A, has experience investing themselves and B, has 
a lot of experience working with other real estate investors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, very good. Now, you guys, you're based in Ontario. Are you able to work with, with people across the country or you have to just stick with folks in Ontario? We do. So our license is in Ontario, but we're part of Dominion Lending. And through Dominion Lending, there's this uh, platform called Access Desk. So we still pick the lender, we still pick the underwriting, but they kind of piggyback someone on the application. The client never speaks to them, never does any of that stuff, but because they're piggybacked onto the application, we're able to lend in all provinces. Okay, well, that's good to know. So so somebody can work with you, they don't have to be in Ontario, they can zoom in with you, you can get all the stuff, you can get it all done, it's just not going to be your signature on on the final documentation. Yep, exactly. Okay, very, very cool. Awesome, Scott. If people want to find out more about you and and your company, first of all, Lend City, right? That's I like the name of your company. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Which normally, I'm told that normally they don't allow unique names like that, but I know at the time Dominion Lending wanted me from from the bank, and we worked things out, and I was able to use it. So it was, it was pretty cool. But yeah, so it's LendCity.ca is our website. So through there, you've got our address, our phone number, if you want to apply online, all of that's there. And then we also offer a unique product called Lifestyle Mortgages. So every mortgage that we do kind of comes with fun. Like we have events in person and online that people can have access to, courses, about real estate investing and different things. Nothing like what you'd pay for. It's just like the basics to get somebody started. But we've got all of that in there and it's a lot of fun. Excellent. Very good. And for real estate investors, you also have a very interesting educational platform as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Scott? Yeah. So it's called the Canadian Real Estate Network. So it started off as just a basic blog multiple years ago. I think it's been four or five years now. And I had the goal of setting, creating a new article every two days. So we've been able to maintain that to this day. So we've got nearly 600 articles about almost every topic I can come up with about real estate investing on there. So for somebody who's looking to get started or get more information, just even learn about it. That is a great resource for somebody just getting started. Fantastic. Awesome, Scott. This has been a lot of fun. Appreciate your time and your insights. Yeah, no problem, Dave. Thanks for having me. It was great. All right, everybody. Take care and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there, thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.